Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko. Joining me as always, our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston. And not there, over here. Uh, <laughs> it, it, we're all pointing because I have no idea where we are on John's screen, which is the main feed that you will be viewing uh for what on my screen i'm on the right john's on the left and todd is where todd belongs below us beneath us if you will (laughs) uh but in reality i'm probably on the bottom um that's what it is uh anyway john's here todd's here or vice versa it doesn't really matter hi guys how the hell are you so glad that I could be with you here tonight an hour earlier <laughs> or later than anticipated. Good to see you, Greg. You say that, but I don't know if you mean it, Todd. Well, that's that's for you to determine. So some <laughs> things are best uh, open to interpretation. So uh, how, how are how's how's everybody's week been? Oh, my week has been frustrating. Selling a house is frustrating. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, yeah, just frustrating. But the weather's been nice, and it's cool, and it's fall. It's football weather, you know, which I always wait for that time of year. So, you know, no one should be going to football games in T-shirts and shorts. You should have to wear a jacket and long, and long pants. That's what you should have to do for a football game. So, I disagree. I feel like uh, if, if you can get away with the uh, shorts and a and a properly, you know, themed apparel similar to this one, uh, then then you should be able to. Uh, and, and who are you, Todd? Who are you to tell anybody how to dress to a football game? The god of football. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, and I think Husker Nation. Uh, is with me here when we say fuck you because you have been screwing with us for two decades man that's right that's right two decades i've i've screwed over nebraska john beautiful youth filled john yes greg do you believe this shit Oh, you know, it's Todd. He's antagonistic because he's still looking for affirmation and validation. Needs to be looking for a hair club for men. (laughs) My week has been very interesting in learning the entire product line of Fortinet, a securities firm. And uh, I like working in cybersecurity. It's been really interesting. Although exhausting. I was going to ask, I, I didn't want you to feel left out. I was going to finish uh, admonishing the God of football uh, for being so mean to us uh, over the last 20 years. And then I was going to get on to you, John, but uh, um, yeah, I can imagine, look, in any, in any career, in any field and in any age, learning something new can be taxing, but at your advanced stage and, and with your uh, uh, medical history, I, I believe that uh, it, it's been uh, – I feel like, John, you've been coming home uh, from work most days this week and going to a dark room and just kind of uh, trying to meditate your way down. I, I have been doing meditation a lot lately. See? People don't think I, I read your book, but, John, I know how to read. <laughs> you know what I did this week? I left something misconfigured on a product, and uh, I ran found me. And uh, one of my systems has now been being attacked for, by Iran relentlessly every hundreds of times every minute since then. So they find you very fast. If you have security holes, they find you extremely fast and they just beat the shit out of you. And it's a lot of fun. It we probably should move on to football now. <laughs> well, let's do that. Can we, can we turn back the hands of time just a, a few days? Uh, last week, of course, we recorded 
um, on a Thursday night. I was in a hotel room. Of course, I'm back home now. Everybody who's watching on, on the YouTube can see. But we were talking up the possibility of going down to Norman, Oklahoma and shocking the college football world. We all had predictions where Nebraska would end out on top. And Nebraska very well could have, if not should have, ended out on top. Uh, they ended up losing to number three, Oklahoma, 23-16. Had a couple of uh, Connor Culp missed field goals. Had a not Connor Culp blocked PAT that was ran back for two points. Boys and girls, that's eight points right there. Think about that. Well, we could have had opportunities. We, we could have had 22 points to their 21. I'm just saying. That's the math of it all. Everybody wants to point to special teams as being a problem. Special teams was not the problem in this game. I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Red zone offense. Yeah. You're not That's wrong. really what it comes down to is we get down to the red zone and we, and we, we run out of gas. We don't know how to score in the red zone. And by scoring, I don't mean kick field goals. I mean, touchdowns. So Here's what I propose. If we're going to go into Michigan State this week and we're going to win, is stop fucking kicking field goals. Just take it out of the game. Just look at yourself and say, gentlemen, we're not going for field goals. We're, we're going to go for it on fourth down. I don't care if it's fourth and 18. We're not going to rely. How many football games do you watch in the NFL where the motherfuckers play to kick a field goal? And the Vikings lost last week because of that. I think it was the Vikings, right? The poor mm -hmm. bastard missed the, you know, let's play for the field goal. And then they miss. And then you go, oh, well, it's the kicker's fault. No, it isn't. It's your jackass coach's fault because he didn't play for a touchdown. He didn't play to win. He didn't play to crush the other opponent into the ground and burst their eyeballs while you're stepping on their head. That was the problem with Nebraska. It wasn't so because our special teams failed. It was because our offense failed. But it's 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 a two headed it, it's probably more than two headed uh, monster because you're right if the offense doesn't fail then you then you don't have any reason to bring out special teams but Connor Culp is the reigning and defending Big Ten kicker of the year and this year he looks like well, I'll be honest with you he looks like me trying to be out there kicking field goals. And that's not pretty. That's not successful. And, and it's not, it's not working. So no. you're, you're right, John. Um, getting the offense, getting in the end zone negates a lot of the kicking issues because, you know, you put 14 points up instead of, you know, two missed field goals, then yeah. you don't have to, then you're on the upside and Oklahoma is now playing from behind, but you, we used to be called, and it doesn't seem like it was all that long ago, we used to be called Kicker U. But then you realize where we're at and, and the number of kickers we've had probably, let's say, in the last five years. What was it in Frost's second year that they, were, they signed, they brought the walk-on kid from the club soccer program? I, we, have, we have gone through kickers – like my five-year-old goes through underwear. And that's – there's no stability there. We, we finally got to um, – I'm going to mispronounce his name, and I apologize. Pritchett, Pritchett the punter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, he, he finally you know, found his footing a little bit in that game against Oklahoma. Had some really nice punts, but that's only one facet. And, and – we can look at special teams all season long as, you know, not just the kicking side, but the receiving side. And, and we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about uh, Cam Taylor Britt and, and uh, some of his mental errors, things like that. But at some point, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. If you get the six, you don't need to worry about the three. Um, but if you can't get the six, because you are going up against a defense like Oklahoma, if you can't if you can't get the six, you've got to be able to get the three. So it's not, it's not all or nothing. It's, it's a blend of both that, that I, I really think uh, doomed the Huskers last week. Todd, what, you've been quiet for an unusually long amount of time. What's your take? 
Well, I guess on two levels, I, the, the red zone offense definitely needs to improve. Um, but I, you know, I, I feel bad for Connor Culp. Um, it's, he, he's got a mental block right now. You know, coach Frost mentioned that he was injured coming into fall practice, maybe didn't get the reps, um, you know, and, and I, I know a little bit about it, probably just enough to be dangerous, but you know, if he's got any kind of issues, you know, in his hips or something like that. Um, when you start talking about rotation and, you know, just the proper mechanics that it takes, you know, for a kicker to execute, um, you know, if you're, if you're slightly off, you're going to miss. And, um, you know, but I, I, I do believe that right now, Connor Culp uh, is probably not, you know, when he's standing out there, he's probably not, um, you know, in the right frame of mind, or at least the same frame of mind that he was last year, there's probably self-doubt and, and that's problematic for him. Um, so I, I, I know that I, I read today that Frost is going to stick with him, but I agree with what you gentlemen are saying that um, we better, we better start putting six on the board and, you know, foregoing, you know, just the field goal because it's the traditional thing to do. Um, I, I do want to, you know, throw one other thing in there. You know, when we beat up on special teams or people beat up on special teams, what I thought was probably the worst aspect of special teams last year has, has been fixed and that's kickoff. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, to me, that was the most glaring weakness that, that Nebraska had last year. And for the most part, that's been resolved. We've got two young men that can kick the ball into or out of um, the end zone nearly every time they, they put the foot to the ball. And so that's been fixed. Uh, I think they'll fix punt return uh, by removing Cam Taylor Britt. And uh, I think that's a case, you know, I know a couple of weeks ago, John mentioned, you know, he's out there trying to make a play. Yes, he is. But he's making bad decisions yeah. in trying to make a play. Put somebody out there that's sure-handed, field the punt, um, you know, and, and don't turn the ball over. So, um, Dude, I don't, I, I want to touch on that because that's, that's important because I think for a couple of years now, we've been, you know, uh, it, good or bad, you know, we, this team is only going to be, as we've been saying almost, you know, I, I guess since Scott Frost or maybe a couple of weeks into the Scott Frost era, um, era or tenure, but the Huskers are only going to be as good as Adrian Martinez. As long, so, I, I see similarities early, maybe, maybe similar approaches for Martinez, a quarterback, and Taylor Britt at in the return game, or realistically even at, at cornerback because he's not, I, th I think, as crisp this year because he's uh, trying to, uh, you know, I think get that highlight moment or, you know, moments in a game. So they're both out there trying to make plays, trying to, you know, on cam side on, on punt return, making a bad decision, but he's trying to extend the play. You can say the same about Martinez in some of the things he's done in the backfield, trying to extend a play or maybe shovel pass or, or something. Uh, that's what, you know, burned him in the uh, Illinois game uh, back in week zero. So I, I don't fault the effort uh, certainly, but I, I, I do scratch my head at the decision-making and a lot of that's got to come from coaching. And, and that's why, you know, if we don't see Cam Taylor Britt back in punt return, I'm, I'm fine with it. We are saddled, you know, win or lose Adrian Martinez until he's no longer a Huskers, our ride or die quarterback, you right. know, <laughs> um, because they're not bringing anybody in to supplant him. They're bringing in guys to be heirs to the throne you know, potentially, but they're not bringing in any serious competition for them, in my opinion only. Um, I agree with you on that, Greg. So, I, again, I, I don't question anybody's effort. You know, I think everybody, you know, the, the 11 guys who are on the field at any given time, I know that they all want perfectly executed offense or perfectly executed defense or perfectly executed special teams. The problem is that happens like 2% of game. <laughs> You know, and then sometimes they're just the benef uh, beneficiaries of, of some fluke incident that, uh, you know, meant happy tidings. 
you know, I, I was I was thrilled with the performance against Oklahoma. I was mad because I thought big noon kickoff, and I said, I'm in the central time zone. Obviously, that means noon. And then friend of the show, Josh, indicated to me something. He's like, I can't believe with all the penalties and we still came away with points, that's a good sign from that, uh, you know, penalty marker, all the, all the false stars and everything else that in that uh, field goal drive, I was like, are you talking about, I don't remember that in the Fordham game. What clip are you watching? And I said, Oh shit. (laughs) So I missed like the first 25, 30 minutes of the game uh, and then clicked over and, and was very pleased. You know, I think we played perhaps uh, our best game in the Scott Frost era against Oklahoma uh, and that sh- if that doesn't motivate these these young men who know that hey we were right there, a few things go our way and we you know do the unthinkable, knock off the number three team in the country. If that doesn't motivate them and get them ready for Michigan State and moving forward, I don't know what will because that if they hadn't bought in before, if they don't buy in at that point, they need first bus out of Lincoln because it ain't happening. Well, I, you know, I, I tell you what, with, with the Oklahoma game, you know, you mentioned this, I think Adrian Martinez played, if not the best, you know, certainly one of his better games since he's been at Nebraska. I, I think, I think he played very well. And for the most part, I think he played within, you know, the game plan. Uh, there were times when he had to freelance and, and, you know, he's athletic enough that, he can get positive yardage when things fall apart. But overall, I thought Adrian played a very good game. That should put to rest any of the people out there that are, you know, the bench Adrian groups and, uh, you know, put the backup in people, you know, no, let's, let's shut up and support Adrian Martinez. And, and he needs to be the guy that's, that's running the show on offense. Todd, are you familiar with how things work on the internet? Yeah, I am. And, um, (laughs) I, I, am also the guy, uh, a year ago when I think the question was posed by you, uh, Adrian Martinez or Dylan McCaffrey's brother. And, uh, I was the one, I think John and I both said Dylan, Dylan McCaffrey's brother. Um, but, but, you know, that's, that's because of the performance of, of Adrian Martinez at the time. And, you know, as it stands right now, uh, I think he's playing well. I hope the rest of the team, uh, you know, uh, you know, shows the same want to that that he does. Um, but you know, the bottom line is this team going to be ready to play against Michigan State Saturday night? You know, we all want to hope so. We all, you know, um, and I want to say that they're gonna. But you know, when you start out against Oklahoma with you know four penalties in the first drive on the offensive line. Uh, you know, you, you can only get by with that so many times and they're going to play in a very intense environment up, up in East Lansing. It's, it's going to be a, a nighttime ball game that raises the intensity level uh, a lot. And, um, you know, quite honestly, you know, and I, 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 I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I mean, um, I hope that they do come out and I hope that they are very focused, very businesslike. And they, they play disciplined football and put themselves in a position to win um, because they, they should be able to beat Michigan State, uh, in, in my opinion. And, and I think they will if they don't make the mental mistakes that have plagued them for so long. Oh, obviously, we'll talk more about the Michigan State game uh, as, as we get close. But I want to go back to Norman. Uh, because it, and Todd, you're right. I think Adrian Martinez played uh, his ass off, uh, and the the receivers did a tremendous job. Yes, I mean, Omar did. Manning, Omar Manning didn't just have his first uh, touchdown reception as a Husker, but that was some Megatron style stuff. I mean, he stretched yeah. out; he was fully extended for that. Uh, it, it's the type of that that one play was the type of play that we've been hoping to see from Omar Manning since he, you know, first stepped onto campus, you know, and, and going forward, obviously we hope we see more of that. I know he will too, obviously it elevates his spotlight and, and of course helps the team win. Um, 
I'm going to get it wrong as I always do, but uh, uh, Samari Torre. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he has uh, really developed into Adrian's favorite target. And that's fine because he's got sure hands and good speed. And he, and he looks like he's a solid route runner. So he gets open. He finds holes in uh, the defense. Um, Austin Allen, uh, you know, is Austin Allen. Austin Allen is, is going to be a guy who plays on Sundays. I've been saying that I've been picking apart, you know, different Huskers every week, I feel like. But Austin Allen, uh, similar to Torre, he's got good hands. He's going to be – he's not going to be a uh, Rob Gronkowski type. Uh, or probably even a, like a Travis Kelsey type, but in my mind, he's like a Heath Miller, you know, um, he's going to be uh, dependable. He might be the check down route. He's going to be that third and seven, third and nine guy. Who's going to get to the sticks turn and be right there. And at six, nine, he's going to have the body that uh, quarterbacks are going to like throw into again, my opinion. Um, I was a little surprised and in, in that we still don't have a solid number one, from the running back spot. Uh, oh, before we get there, uh, it was great to see Vokalek back out there playing as well. He had a big, big catch there in the fourth quarter that helped uh, uh, move the ball downfield in, in a good chunk play. So it was good to see him out there. Um, we're four games in now, and I feel like the running back room, while everybody's getting good minutes, you know, meaningful time on the field, we still don't have a designated one. And that does concern me because I feel like uh, there's – still no exact rhythm, you know, from uh, running back, quarterback, offensive line, because each of these runners runs a little bit different and the offensive line can't get used to how quick one of these guys can hit the hole. What John, the fuck, man? These guys can't get the snap down. The, 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 the idea that they're going to get any rhythm from a running back. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, lofty expectations. I guess not having a number one running back hasn't bothered me that much. I, I want to see I want to see running backs accumulate 100 and you know 125 to 150 yards rushing a game, and if that's one guy that can handle the load, great. If that's a combination of three, to me that's fine as well. Um, I just don't think that the offensive line is you know working in in concert. That's a stupid word to use, but. I don't think that I don't think that they're synced yet. And, you know, when you watch and, and uh, yeah, I hate to even bring it up, but uh, you know, I've seen some end zone views of um, Iowa's football team this year in a couple of games and they move as one. I mean, they they are so coordinated. Yeah, that's because they're all human centipeded up over there in Iowa. Well, that's what it takes to run the football. That's what it takes. Okay, they, no, their their offense is fucking abysmal. Their offense has barely got a pulse. What I'm telling you is, if you're going to run the football, your offensive line has to be coordinated, and all five, or if you're going to throw the tight ends, six or seven, have to be working together. And the offensive line at Nebraska does not has not gotten to that level yet. No, they haven't. They, they have played well at times and they've played well. They've played better as the game goes on. It's, it's just consistency and experience. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the jury's still out a bit on who the top running back is. You know, I, I was convinced that Gabe Irvin was the top dog, you know, going into the season, just the way that everybody was talking. But we, you know, I think all three of us kind of have an affinity for Jacques Yant, and we hardly see him, you know. Well, he's losing weight. He's got to get his weight down to play, you know. Um, and apparently Marvin Scott isn't, he's no longer a factor, you know. So it was, it was good to see Ramir Johnson getting some, not yeah. just some good uh, touches, but um, I think it was the, it was the punt that really stuck Nebraska down inside the five, and I think they lost another couple of yards. So we're looking at third and 11, third and 12 uh, from our own two. And, you know, he's he's uh, swift of feet or, or whatever you want. 
but yeah. he's out with the first down. And I'm like, why don't we just do that every time? Just run that play, you know, get 10, 12 yards every time. It would be fine. We don't have to worry about any more special teams. Ramir Johnson, Ramir Johnson, he's, he's so quick with his first step and his cuts, you know, are, are really, really quick. And, and, you know, I, I think potentially, you know, he's the guy that, you know, can get into a rhythm, uh, at least from what I've seen, can get into a rhythm and he can be your hundred yard rusher. Um, I haven't seen enough of Sevian Morrison to know if he can do that. Um, Gabe Irvin, um, a lot of people like him, uh, but I haven't seen Gabe Irvin, you know, break many uh, runs for, you know, five to 10 yards. I haven't seen much of that. So what, what, what type of, Look, I like Irvin too and, and, and Jack Hayes, but they're both true freshmen. So what type of benefit of the doubt do we give a true freshman running back uh, running at, at the, the power five level? Um, are, are there, and I'm not trying to be a smart ass, but are there true freshmen out, you know, somewhere else who are just uh, setting the world on fire? Ohio state's got one. <laughs> um Touche. <laughs> okay. The, the problem, the problem Nebraska has with like Gabe Irvin is, is not that he can't run the ball. It's that his pass protection was those guys would stunt on the, on the defense, you know, where they twist or they send a guy around and the, he talked, Todd mentioned our offensive line, not working together. They're not picking up those twists. And if they're not picking up those twists, then you have to have a running back that's smart enough to pick up those twists. Otherwise your quarterback's standing there and just getting killed. So the problem with Gabe Irvin was, I mean, he's gone for the season now, but the problem that he had was uh, he wasn't recognizing pass protection where the shit. So, you know, he might be good running the ball, might gain some yards on the ground, but you can't have him in there if you're going to throw the ball or, you know, you put a guy in and they go, oh, well, you're running the ball now because that guy's in. You know, you can't do that kind of stuff and have a well-functioning offense. No, I, That's I, the I, problem I, with freshman running backs is not – they're not asked to do that stuff a lot in high school, I don't think, you no. know, or at least not to the level that they are in college. Well, and, and where's, where's Step? What happened to him? You know, um, so and but, you know, then again, Scott Frost has always been very tight lipped about injuries. I mean, always. So, you know, it may be the case where they've got dinged up in practice and that's why he's not out there. I don't know. Um, and, and also it, it's uh, Scott Frost philosophy as well as uh, mostly, you know, like what have you done for me lately, which means who, who is working hard who was showing out the most in practice. So, you know, maybe step, like you said, maybe he had a, a minor, uh, you know, toe, toe, turf toe or something like that. Or maybe he wasn't quite putting forth the effort. We don't know. We're not there. Um, but yeah, that's another one that, you know, it's like now in, in urban, you know, of course, John, as you mentioned, losing him for the remainder of the season. Uh, so he'll come back next year uh, and he'll have, you know, a, that much more you know, conditioning, I think, uh, you know, he'll, he'll have some rehab, things like that. He'll be able to rest a little bit more and I don't know, get more familiar with the playbook. He'll have a little bit more maturity coming back next year. Um, but he's gone. As you said, Marvin Scott, the third is, you know, uh, uh, on a milk carton somewhere and Marquis steps. So we saw so many, running backs in the Fordham game. Now here we are two weeks later, we're not seeing, you know, half of those guys. So that's not something that Nebraska can necessarily afford. You know, we, we had an abundance of running backs, but we didn't have any standout running backs. Like we didn't have any, you know, uh, world beaters. So we had to do it by committee. So maybe I understand, you know, Frost, uh, uh, philosophy or, 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 uh, you know, preference there it is, and, and I, that's fine. You know, get, get, if we have as a team, 125, 150 rushing yards per game, that's great. Not, not any one guy's gonna, I think like that. Cause you know, they, they all want, but you gotta, you gotta do it on the field. Otherwise, you, you know, you gotta make room for somebody else to do it on the field. Well, something else too, that factors into this a little bit. Um, and, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I have no idea. But how many of those running backs were on the travel roster down to Oklahoma? Um, because 
I think we had five kickers slash punters. And generally speaking, you take two. You really don't want to take more than two unless you have to. But I know that Connor Culp was on the roster. The Meyer kid was on the roster. Was the kid from the transfer that is from Gretna, was he doing the kickoffs? I don't think Meyer was doing the kickoffs. So that would be three kickers. And then you had both the punters were down there. So five roster spots were taking up taken up by kickers or punters. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they didn't have five or, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Did they have five or six running backs down in Oklahoma? I don't know. I would have more running backs than I would kickers. <laughs> that's that's uh, the ideal situation, I think. But again, we, until we find that consistent kicker or kickers, then – we're we're stuck with uh there is one more aspect to this and that's this uh you need to get these guys some touches so they don't transfer yep that's because i mean you got gabe irvin's talented freshman he might be around but if you don't at least get him some carries on the field uh he's going to be gone you know ramir johnson he's going to be gone and you still need to figure out which one of them is going to be a guy so i can see balancing that out too i mean when you look at let's look at the wide receiver court Right now, Nebraska kind of has an embarrassment of riches, really, when it comes down to it. By the way, I did a Michigan State podcast this week, and the, the guy goes, so who's this guy, Samurai Tor? <laughs> and I thought, Samurai, that's something to go with. But, I mean, if you, I you, if you what, look though, at they, 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 They'll know his name by the end of uh, Saturday night. Hopefully they will. They, we, I mean, you like, we have Torre, we have Manning, we have Betts, you know, we have tight ends. We have a lot of guys that at the receiving position can play. And, you know, even Frost at UCF had a habit of getting eight or nine guys on the field and getting them receptions throughout the game. So that's kind of a good thing. So when you look at, you know, we need to have one guy do this or one guy do that. I don't, I don't put as much, uh, I guess, emphasis on that as other people do. I think when you got, you talk to guys who actually play football, they will tell you that, you know, for example, those interviews when I talked to Yoshi uh, over the offseason, I mean, he talked about getting used to a running back and running back getting used to them and how they blocked and how they moved and stuff. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, we have a ways to go before we even have to worry about that. You know, I guess on the other side of the ball, I, I, I was really – pleased for the most part with the defense. And I think that the linebackers, I think the linebackers may have played the best that I've seen the linebackers play as a unit um, in quite some time and, you know, good for them. Um, you know, that's, that's a high powered offense and people can say all they want to about Spencer Rattler um, I think he's an asshole, but that doesn't mean he's not um, an outstanding quarterback. But, uh, you know, the, the defense made it very difficult for that young man, um, you know, on Saturday. And uh, to hold them, uh, to hold them as low as we did, you know, on points, uh, their lowest output in a long, long time. 2016, uh, I believe. Okay. Um, 65 games. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. And, you know, again, if the, if the defense, you know, can, can uh, play, you know, play consistently like they are, um, it gives the offense an opportunity, you know, to put points on the board and, and win football games. And, um you know, I, I, hopefully the defense, you know, can create some turnovers a little, you know, a little bit more than what they have. But uh, if they if they keep playing the way they're playing, Nebraska has a chance, is going to have a chance in most games to win. Before we get too much to our uh, uh, Michigan State conversation, want to alert the good listeners and viewers of the Five Heart Podcast that uh, Coronation Zone Patrick Gerhardt sat down earlier this week with Spartan Nation's Hondo Carpenter. Uh, it's only 10 or 12 uh, a minute episode. You can 
realistically, you can listen to it while you're taking a shit. Um, but uh, I highly encourage everybody to go and, and listen to that. Uh, you, I, because I, I work behind the scenes, uh, of course, for coordination as, as podcast editor. So I heard some of the pre, you know, some, some of the chatter that was recorded before, in like three, two, one. Hi, this is Patrick Gerhardt with the Coordination Radio. So I heard some of that and I said, I don't know if I like Hondo. I liked, uh, I ended up liking Hondo by the end of it. Uh, and he had some very nice things to say about Nebraska as well. So uh, I encourage you to check that out. Um, look, this is, this is not your uh, grandpappy's Michigan State Spartans. These are Mel Tucker's Spartans. And uh, he's got them playing a different style of football than what Nebraska is used to seeing from that team from East Lansing. Uh, and not only that, but we hate Mel Tucker because he was a Colorado not that long ago. And I heard a rumor that stated that he didn't want more than just, you know, like the bare minimum uh, amount of Husker fans in, uh, in East Lansing uh, in, in the stadium for the game because he remembers how big red rolls. I don't know why I did that. That was, that was unnatural. I apologize. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's that was pretty cool, Greg. <laughs> uh, but you know, he, he remembers, uh, the, the way Husker fans travel, uh, and, and the, the outpouring of hatred that we, uh, uh left in Boulder a couple of years ago. And, you know, now he's in his second year at Michigan state and, you know, I'll reference it again, but that, that interview, uh, with Hondo and uh, that Patrick did, you heard that like D'Antonio quit the day before signing day. You know, he retired or, or whatever it was. So they had a very uh, small window of, of recruitment. And then they used the transfer portal a lot. So they've gone out and, and uh, according to Honda, they've got playmakers. Not as much quite on the defensive side, but they have some offensive weapons. So when we look at Sparty 2021, uh, what, what is your guys' biggest concern about – uh this saturday's game have you watched them i got i got time to watch the husker game and that's have you watched them todd no i've not watched them okay they beat the hell out of miami i mean they beat the hell out of them okay they beat them 38 to 17 but they beat them up so i think the thing is you always knew about sparty was they were going to be physical under D'Antonio. They always had damn physical defenses. And then our offense was kind of plotting, you know, and, and a nine to six game was fine the, with Mark boring, D'Antonio. Boring. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think they still have that same physicality or they have that same physical play, but um, you know, they do, they're not going to be this team that is content to sit around and score nine points or 12 points. You know what I mean? They're not doing that anymore under Mel Tucker. I think that Miami, you know, what do you take away from the Miami game? Uh, Miami's, you know, Miami's a lot like Florida State. They're both programs that are just in the hotbed of all the recruiting in the nation. And both of them have severe culture issues. When you look at Scott Frost talks about culture and everybody mentions culture. You look at Florida State and Miami, what you see is teams that have really good athletes that fucking they suck. Florida State's offensive line hasn't been able to block for like six or seven years now. And when we look at our offensive line, we'll go, well, that's not any different than ours. Yes, it is. We have not got our quarterbacks killed. And Florida State has routinely gotten quarterbacks injured because their offensive line is so terrible. And when you move over to Miami, you have this problem where they just – it's like they think they're going to walk on the field and just magic's going to yeah. happen. And, and they get beat up because they're not prepared for the other – the other team to go we don't give a shit if you're fucking miami we're gonna kick your ass and that's exactly what sparty did to him See, so I, you know i i think that john I, I didn't mean to cut you off here but i just want to echo what you're saying it's to me what it's going to come down to is will nebraska line up and punch sparty in the mouth are they going to punch him back when sparty punches them you know, I, I don't want to use the analogy of the rock fight because I think it's going to be um, there's, there's going to be more uh, finesse than that. But it's going to it's going to be a very physical game. And in, in my opinion, 
if Nebraska comes out and plays the type of ball game that they did against Oklahoma with that level of intensity, I think that they will hold their own. And I think that they're going to come out, you know, with more points at the end than, than Michigan state is. But if, if they start off slow and they get, you know, get behind and if they're making a bunch of mistakes, I think it could end up being a long night because it's going to be, it's the atmosphere up there is going to play into, you know, the outcome of the game. And Nebraska needs to be able to take the Spartan fans out of the game, if at all possible. I think the, the best thing that happened in Oklahoma was we started out that game with two off, two false start penalties, 30 yards of penalties on the first offensive drive. We still went down, scored points. This team I talked about has a problem with overcoming bad things happening. And what they did against Oklahoma is bad things happened repeatedly, and they always overcame them and fought all the way to the end of that game and stayed in it and had a chance to win it. You know, what they're going to have to do against Michigan State is uh, they got this kid, Kenneth Walker, the third, um, was a 164.3 yard rushing average per game leads the nation. So we're going to see a healthy dose of him. I think our defense is up to that task, but, you know, 8.6 yards per carry. That's a lot of, that's a lot of yards, man. So if, you know, this, what's going to happen is that we're going to see, you know, we talked about Oklahoma being a test for our defense and they kind of passed it Well, they, well, they did pass it, but you know, Michigan state's just going to be another team. That's going to have another test. They're going to have an NFL level running back. That's going to run the ball right at them. And uh, we're going to have to stop that and slow it down. And that's so, where, that's where that discipline on defense and gap control and doing what you're supposed to do, you know, making sure that you're doing your assignment rather than trying, you know, to, to get on sports center, you know, that's, what's going to be really important. Nebraska. And we've seen it guys. We've seen them hold Iowa. We saw it. We've seen them hold Wisconsin over the years. We've seen them hold those teams down for a while. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere comes that, you know, explosive run and there's no one there. And that's what that gives me a little bit of concern with Michigan State because of the talent of that running back. They they cannot allow you know that guy to get those those big gains. The good news is their pass defense is 108th in the nation. <laughs> so I don't know what if you were a Sparty, what would you do? I'd go and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the clock. Try to keep that Nebraska offense that has that can attack my weakness off the field. But you have to wonder what Michigan State's gonna, you know, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna load up against the run and say throw the ball? Are you gonna you gonna play that bend don't break stuff where you're trying not to give up the play? I would think that they would hang back and give up the underneath stuff. In other words, you know, crosses across the middle in the short to shallow range. Uh, you know, put it this way: I don't think we're gonna see like Samari Torre running open down the field by himself. I think we're going to see Samari Torre running underneath uh, like safeties and cornerbacks, and he's going to have to make plays and out, you know, juke people and make some yards. So I, I think, let me try to figure out how to ask this question. Cause I know the question I want to ask, I just don't know if we've talked about it in years past, but did Oklahoma give the game plan for beating the Huskers and that's keep a spy on Martinez. They did that in, in about from about the second half of the third quarter on and it worked because they kind of, you know, helped contain him. He didn't get out running free. Uh, it, it, I'm not saying that they're the first person who ever spied a QB before. Um, but it, when you take away that element of, of the Huskers offensive game, I, I, you know, Martinez, what he's able to uh, manufacture, you know, and, and extend plays. Um, if you take that away, I really do feel like it, it, you lose a third of the, um, I don't want to be like you know, toss out our game plan, uh, but, but you know, you, you uh, uh, do remove quite a bit of what uh, Nebraska is able to do, kind of on the fly. Well, with when, when you use a linebacker as a spy, um, then there, there's going to be an open receiver somewhere. 
Yeah. And um, that's why, you know, John had mentioned, you know, the crossing patterns and that kind of stuff. I would venture to say that Michigan State's going to play, you know, uh, they're going to play a zone. They're going to play a soft zone, try to keep everything in front of them. Um, and if, you know, listen to Joel Klatt last week, you know, that's what Nebraska did to yeah. Oklahoma. And to remedy that, you have to be able to run the football. And, you know, if, if that's the kind of coverage, if that's the kind of game plans the Michigan State's going to have, you know, come in and play, then that's going to put a premium on Nebraska being able to run the ball. I don't think, you know, as, as far as using a spy, it can be very effective, but uh, that's where, you know, uh, that's where our offense is going to have to have uh, guys who have the ability to run or backs catching passes because somebody has to be open if you're going to dedicate one guy whose only responsibility is the quarterback. The only thing, the other thing about that is Oklahoma, the, Oklahoma had the athletes to do that. If you're going to put a spy on a quarterback, you have to have a, a, a linebacker that can stay with him or somebody who can actually stay with him because yeah. that's a hell of a lot harder than it sounds. You know, especially when it's Adrian Martinez, or I think Spencer Rattler was a good, he was a good scrambler, wasn't he? Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. you have to have the guy and then you're giving up something else. So I don't see Michigan State doing that. I I think the other thing is we did play a soft zone, but we moved in and out of it. You know what I mean? We didn't do that all the time. And that's what really screwed Oklahoma up is I thought Eric Shenander called his best game he's had because he he moved things around enough that Oklahoma really couldn't figure out what he was going to do from one play to the next on defense. So um, it'll be interesting to see what we do against Michigan state. It'd be a nice game to win. Of course, they're all nice to win. I want us to win. Can we win please? I, we didn't feel bad about ourselves this week. And I don't, I don't want to feel bad about myself. <laughs> well, uh, let's get to it then. Nebraska is in East Lansing at Michigan State to take on uh, Sparty in the the House of Spartans. So, really, I mean, if we just show up with a couple million Persians, based on what I remember from that movie, uh, we'll probably win. Three hundred million Persians, allegedly, allegedly in the Battle of Thermopylae, it was three hundred Spartans versus. You know, a, a very sizable Persian force led by Emperor Xerxes. Two million Persians. Two million That's Persians. a couple. <laughs> well, what do you think is going to happen, Todd? Do you want me to go first? Um, I'd like to hear your explanation uh, that you give every week because I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not quite as thorough in my and how I determine my prediction. So I'd like to hear yours first and that might cause me to adjust mine a little bit. Okay. Normally what I usually say is Nebraska is going to score 40 points, but we're not capable of scoring 40 points to this offense yet. However, we are capable of holding the other team to minimal points. So here's how this is going to go. Our offense is going to score 24 points of their own 24, 27. We're going to get one Sparty turnover, and that's going to add three or seven points. So I'm going to go with, uh, let's say, like 32 for Nebraska. And I'm going to say Sparty is going to get, uh, let's say, 24 points of their own. And we're, I don't, we've so far, Adrian Martinez is, he's had that one horrible fumble against, you know, uh, Illinois that was really kind of broke their back. And otherwise he's played extremely well. He's had one interception that was kind of a worthless interception against Oklahoma with that one great play the guy made and cost his team like 18 yards of field position. That was a thrown punt. That was, yeah, it kind of was, it was was especially beneficial to the Huskers. Somebody's going to catch this and hopefully it's my guy, but Oh no, if it's not, you know, but uh, I do think that we can, I do think that we can get at least one turnover from them. And uh, there's, there's 32, 20, 32 to 24. I'm trying to do the math in my head of how you get to 32, 28, 24 points of, you know, it, it's just you, 31, 32, somewhere in there, 31 to 24. 
We get 32 because the Big Ten refs feel sorry for us for continually taking points off the board with shitty fucking calls. And then they go, I think we'll just go ahead and give Nebraska a touchdown in this game to make up for the crap we've done earlier in the season. You know that'll never happen, John. I know it'll okay, never happen. Our listeners' hopes up. You know, I, I will say this. It, it, officiating has been god-awful everywhere. I watched the Penn State-Auburn game, and it, they, at one point they lost track of downs on the field, and mm-hmm. Penn State punted on third down. On another play, they had a fourth down play, and the Penn State guy kept pushing forward and pushing forward and pushing forward. The whistle never blew the play dead for forward progress, but they still marked him back, and Penn State turned the ball over on downs. And you're like, what the fuck are you guys even doing? I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, real quick, I got to cycle back to the Oklahoma game. But there was a point in there where uh, there was it, it, they, I think they ended up giving Nebraska one yard gain for a loss of forward momentum. But uh, I, I think it, it might have been Morrison or or Irvin or, or uh, I don't think it was Johnson, but they they moved the pile and it should have been a six yard five or six yard gain. And they blew the whistle and, and, and marched it back. I'm like, why don't you actually wait to see the stop of forward momentum? So I was going to ask if you knew uh, what conference provided the refs for that shit show in norman it's big 10 of course it was. <laughs> we get hosed by our own against the non-conference opponent yeah um so john will never get the benefit of the doubt from the big 10 officials. no we won't we're gonna have to overcome that and overcome special teams and the good news is this here's the really good news number one i think i don't think it's any secret that when i say this I, I'd be interested to hear anybody who disagrees with me, but I think it's pretty clear that Scott Frost was not prepared for this job when he was hired. He had, he was not capable of doing this job. And what we're seeing now is he might be growing into it. And he's figuring, you know, the defense has figured their shit out. The offense is starting to figure its shit out. The special teams is starting to slowly piece pieces together. So I think the biggest question Nebraska still has at this point right now is is Scott Frost going to continue to grow as a coach and grow into the job that to be the guy that we need him to be? And do we have the patience right. to let that happen? Because I think if you, if right now we have offensive pieces in place that if we can overcome the special teams and we can overcome the penalties and we can overcome the stupid mistakes, when we stop making those, we are going to kick the fucking shit out of a lot of people. <sighs> Todd, let's hear your, you know, it's a matter of, are we going to stop making those? Because the moment we do, there you go. How many one score of games have we lost? Like 18 under him. And everybody goes, they're the same mistakes. Okay. Yeah. But when you flip that around and when you correct them, because they are correctable, then you win all those one score games and you're just, we're fuck you big 10 West. That's what I say. That's the good news. Well, I, I, I am changing my prediction a little bit, not because of John's explanation, but because of what you guys brought up earlier. Um, I was going to go with Nebraska 34, Michigan State 21. Um, but they're not going to kick two field goals. So I'm going to adjust and I'm going to say, see, I did my math. So I'm going to adjust. And I'm going to say Nebraska 35 and Michigan State 21. So that's my prediction. Now, that is one point different than what I predicted for Oklahoma. I wasn't on the show, but I predicted Nebraska would beat Oklahoma 34-21. And I predicted they'd beat Furman 34-21. And I predicted they would beat Buffalo 34 21. And I even <laughs> stuck my neck out and predicted they would beat Illinois 34 21. I'm really confident that adding that point 35 21 against. <laughs> I like this. This works for against me. Michigan State is good. that's where it's going to be. Making that slight adjustment in my prediction. Yes, Craig. Yes. What the hell's Furman? Fordham. <laughs> Furman. Furman, Fordham, you know, whatever. Furman, Fordham. Fucking East Coast. An F school. An, F- an effing school. I mean, it could have been Fresno State if it's an effing school. Uh, 
I think we've played Furman in baseball once. Probably. Yeah. Is that named after that cop from L.A.? Paul Furman? No. Oh, okay. It's a hell of an odd Okay, it's, it's going down the toilet. All right, here we go. Y'all ready for uh, – Yes. All ready for this one? GM pick right here. Pick of the week. <laughs> Continue on. Uh, I like where Todd's starting. Oh God, no! Shit, he's gonna he's gonna streak across the screen. Oh, no, I'm just getting hot. Yeah, you are big. Guy. All this football talk. Ooh. <laughs> Didn't know oh, football talk revved your engines, huh? <laughs> so I, I like where Todd's going uh, because we're not going to get two field goals out of it. any kicker on this team. One can't make a, a field goal and the other one can't even get a kickoff uh, past his <laughs> offensive line. Or, 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 so I like 35. I, however, do think that Sparty may have a kicker on their team. They probably have one kicker and not seven. Uh, so I'm going to say Sparty 27. I think Nebraska wins. Uh, I think this is you know, I, I saw somewhere earlier today that this could be the biggest game of the Scott Frost era. Well, yeah, they, they say that about every game because I guarantee you that if they would have lost to Fordham, that would have been the biggest game of the Scott Frost era. You know, if they would have beaten Oklahoma. Huh? It would have been. It would have been. If they would have beat Oklahoma, that's the biggest game of the Scott Frost. I don't think Sip talks like that. I've never listened to him. But for some reason, to me, Scott Sibble, Steve Sturzsibble talks like this. <laughs> Like a you know, the, the MSU guy, the MSU guy in the podcast asked me, you know, if you lose to Michigan State, uh, what is the, you know, what, is, how bad is that going to be? Is it just going to be a blip or is it going to be a big problem? What I, my answer was, is every single game of the Scott Frost era is a referendum on the program. Yeah. And it is, it is. Yeah. Sadly. You know, until he starts uh, winning these games and, and winning them in a streak and winning consistently, every game is going to be the biggest. So, um, yeah, it's kind of well. you're not that. Wrong. And hyperbole sells, Greg. Hyperbole actually, you know, sells many things. I don't know if you've noticed the media in our curtain time and frame, but if you're not a screaming, raving fucking maniac, nobody's paying attention to you. That's why my other podcast has uh, next to zero listenership because they don't have the backing of a coordination.com and the built-in audience. They just got to be for you like nerds and people who like comics and Marvel movies and shit like that. So we get like 20, 30 people because we just keep it even. We're not out there making any bold outlandish claims. Like it's just not our style. It's not my style. Does this look like the face of anybody making any bold outlandish claims? Maybe about Does this it. look like the face of anybody (laughs) (laughs) okay this looks like the face of like adult onset diabetes or something but (laughs) that's probably a joke too far i apologize lord um all right that'll do it for (laughs) another clean sweep of predictions everybody on on the panel (laughs) thinks that it's going to be a nebraska dub and it should be uh we need to go we need to start going into uh uh, other stadiums and kicking the doors in and taking our shit. So let's start this Saturday night in East Lansing. And, and the best part about it is that I'll start watching it at nine o'clock and fast forward through all the commercials. <laughs> so be watching for that on Twitter, on the official pot or uh, the official uh, Twitter account of the five heart podcast at the number five heart podcast, where I'll be tweeting all my thoughts uh, in a very echoey chamber type place because I'll have all my other notifications turned off so nobody spoils the outcome of the game for me. So I'll be with my family for a change. <laughs> so that'll do it for the Five Heart Podcast. Thanks to John. Thanks to Todd, as always, for being here and uh, just you know making us laugh and sharing some, sharing some good times, some good thoughts, and most importantly, our love. Big Red. That is it for reminding you this week and every week. I'm Greg Mahochko telling you that five heart is all the heart you need, John.
Go Big Red. Go Big Red. He did it. Success. I never thought I'd see the day.